Macworld Podcast number 276 for December 21st, 2011. Welcome back again to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Editorial Director Jason Snell. My guest this week on the podcast is Greg Pock. Greg is a comic book writer. He's probably most well-known for his run on Incredible Hulk. He's currently writing Astonishing X-Men for Marvel Comics. But the reason that I am talking to Greg Pock today is about a project of his called Vision Machine. Greg, thanks for being with us on the Macworld Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. So Vision Machine uh, is – I guess we should start out and explain. It's uh, it's a comic. It's three issues and it's free uh, and it's even more free than usual. It's on Comixology. You can download it I think from your website, right? Uh-huh. And- yeah, if you go to visionmachine.net or gregpock.com, you will uh, you'll be able to yeah download a totally free eighty something page uh, PDF of the uh, of the comic book. And uh, it's also uh, interestingly enough, it's a Creative Commons license too. So so it's actually a a freely shareable and um, remixable. Comic. Exactly. In fact, by the time this uh, podcast is broadcast, I will have. Um, uh, a version of the book up uh, for download that has no dialogue in it, no balloons. So you wow. can uh, so to make it easy for folks to you know to remix or redo you know re- play around with as much as they want. Yeah, the um, the project was funded by the Ford Foundation um, as a uh, they 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 were interested in uh, a story that would help. Um, the original idea was to have a story that would help independent media makers imagine the world 50 years from now with all of the technological, social, political changes that are coming. And the more I worked on the idea, the more it became clear that this was really for anybody because these days anybody with a, you know, anybody with an iPhone or a smartphone and a YouTube account is a, is a media maker. Um, and uh, so all of these big technological issues and questions of privacy and surveillance that go along with the uh, with these ever increasingly awesome yet slightly dangerous pieces of personal technology they apply to everybody now, not just filmmakers, and also these questions of copyright and trademark and intellectual property. So. Um, so the whole Creative Commons thing was sort of a way for us to – I mean the, the book was designed to be given away for free because uh, you know, the idea is that we just want to get this fun story in the hands of people in, in, in a way, and uh, that, uh, that it might inspire people to think about things in different ways. And so, so from the beginning, it was designed to be given away for free. But then the Creative Commons thing just made sense because we were talking – I mean the book touches on issues of trademark and copyright and all of that and, and why not uh, – why not – uh, why not embrace one of these alternate systems and see uh, and give that a shot? Now, people might be wondering why um, you know why we're talking about this on the Macro Podcast. But one of the things that's uh, really interesting here is in your story, you've got uh, first off, you've got this company that's called Sprout. Yes, which, which has a chief creative officer who's very charismatic and stands up on stage at at uh, at, at Sprout Sprout Core uh, Expo, I believe it is, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and Sproutville Expo. Sproutville Sprout Expo, Expo, that's right, and it, and drops this uh, blow, blowing away uh, your mind with this product called the II. Yes, letter Good. I followed by E Y E. Exactly. It's a One familiar. last thing, but but their but their slogan is "Don't be evil." So yes. you got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I mean, there's there's there's. I, I mean, I am a child of uh, of 
of the digital age. I mean, I would not have the career I have if it weren't for Apple specifically. I mean, Final Cut Pro came around at exactly the right time as I was graduating from film school to enable me to uh, to make um, a ton of short films for next to no money. And uh, that kept me and, and also it enabled me to uh, make my my feature film robot stories for a much cheaper budget than it would have taken uh, otherwise. And, you know, and, and the whole uh, digital revolution has certainly um, helped my uh, comics career as well. Uh, but at the same time, there are, um, you know, I mean, there, there are there are a lot of uh, interesting questions that come up with all of these miraculous devices we carry around. Um, and uh, we've and seen so this- that just just in in the last year. I mean, after you after you already published this, we've seen some really great examples of that. There was the whole location issue that people were mm-hmm. concerned about with Apple, and there's this carrier IQ thing, the idea that people are suddenly kind of turned on to the idea that there could be software running on their phones that is monitoring every letter they type and every text message they send and receive. And, Absolutely. You know, so this is definitely very timely stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because with any science fiction project that deals with sort of, you know, near future stuff, you're just crossing your fingers. <laughs> that you get it out there before all, everything happens, you know. And uh, I mean, this, this, this story said 50 years in the future, but I think actually the stuff that, that it talks about is going to happen in, in, in 10, probably. I mean, the, the central idea is that you get this, this, this set of eye eyes and um, it allows you anything that you look at, you can record just by thinking about it. It's a pair of glasses. And, and when you put on these glasses, you get a augmented reality, a kind of overlay of pop-up windows. And, you know, it's, it's keying off of uh, what your eyes are focusing on. And, uh, you know, you, you look at, you, you, uh, you know, you look at somebody on the street and you've forgotten their name and it'll automatically run facial recognition software to figure out who that person is and supply you with the name. Uh, that's, that's, and, and, uh, but, but, um, and so there are a million ways in which it, it works in that way. But in terms of media, you can, anything you can look at, you can record, um, and then edit just by thinking about it, add special effects just by imagining them, and then instantly upload it to this network of, of IIs. Um, uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's YouTube, Facebook, digital media, Twitter, um, all at the speed of thought, uh, which is this great, uh, miraculous gift for anybody who wants to uh, create and distribute media. And, and I think you're right. I mean, some of this stuff is, is not far away. I, I, read, I read Vision Machine um, for the first time right after Macworld Expo this year. Mm-hmm. And um, Bill Atkinson, who was the guy who wrote HyperCard, uh, along with a lot of other stuff in the early Mac days, gave a talk. And he, he talked about where he saw technology going. And it, it is in the next five years, you know, the ability to have something basically like a pair of eyeglasses or an earphone that's got a camera and, it, and it's lit and a microphone it's listening to you it's speaking in your ear and mm-hmm. it knows things and we see this with siri now that the, the, all these technologies are coming together to the point where you've got this augmented reality um which is so the, the tech as- aspect of vision machine is really interesting but i love the fact that you talk about uh about copyright and remixing and things like that in here too that the, that the logical question when everybody is a creator is suddenly everybody has some uh worries about uh what is done with their stuff and what stuff uh, they have to they have to pay for because they don't have the license for it and there's a funny line where somebody says that uh, they're whistling a Beatles song and it you know that's a five cent charge every time they whistle <laughs> yeah. a Beatles song well you know and there's, there's precedent for that kind of stuff where there was some point when the Girl Scouts were going to get charged for singing uh, Beatles songs or, or pop songs around the campfire or you happy birthday like, yeah oh yeah yeah well <laughs> I mean the, the thing is mostly those you know the, the you know um, I mean I may, I pay my rent because of the proceeds of um 
because because the protection of intellectual property enables me to you know to to live off of yeah. uh, the stuff I create right so I'm you know I definitely I, I am not I, I I'm not a privacy I mean a, a piracy advocate I pay for all the all the media I consume etc cetera, etc cetera. at the same time there is a way in which um, culture thrives by um, by referencing itself, you know what I mean. It's like it's like nothing nothing sort of comes into existence in a vacuum. And uh, and uh, you know Shakespeare was Shakespeare. I mean the, that's the classic thing people always bring up. Shakespeare was uh, telling stories based on stories that have been told before. You know, um, right? And, Disney, same way. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so there's there's a way in which um, the ability to uh, to use material from the world in in new material i mean that there has to be accommodation of that um and uh and um and and so you know the first part of vision machine not you know i don't think this is getting too spoilery but it kind of posits this mecca this 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 dream which is certainly within our grasp wherein um, wherein there uh, there's a system which allows for people to pay reasonable fees in order to use uh, you know copyrighted material in the stuff that they are creating that it's a uh, that it's uh, and and also that they are recompensed by um, by the systems that are uh, distributing the stuff that they are uploading you know I mean there's a way in which via you know on YouTube right now there are people who are making a living you know and uh, but but there are also folks who are you know there, there's tons of Free stuff that people are uploading to systems that they are that that are generating revenue for somebody, but the uploaders aren't necessarily seeing a piece of that. Most people are fine with that, you know what I mean? They don't expect that. But but if there were, it, there's a way in which if you could move a few pennies around here and there um, uh, more seamlessly, you could have a lot of people. Um, uh, you you could see a lot more people. Um, getting paid and, uh, and, and, um, and also pain, you know, that there could be a reasonable way in which somebody could license a Frank Sinatra song for a YouTube video and, and which would not damage the, you know, the marketability of that song, you know, for, by the license holders. Um, I, you know, I, I'm rambling here right now, but there is this, there, there's this kind of fantasy world in which you could have, uh, you could have an equitable and uh, profitable exchange of of, of all of this, um, right? And 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 you you know, like you said, you as a, a person who who makes their living creating content, you know, it, it's harder to advocate for the complete uh, everything should be free and creation shouldn't be uh, compensated. That's re- kind of ridiculous. But at the same time, there are people on both sides who who um, take these kind of intractable positions and we end up with kind of a mess in the middle. And one of the things I like in Vision Machine is that you talk about the give and take. You're, you're projecting a future scenario where people have usage rights and can be creative and creators can get compensated and the, crea- yep. the consumers become the creators. And, you know, I, I was struck when I was reading it that um, maybe that's the answer to solving this um, intractable problem is once everybody is a creator and a licensee, <laughs> that yeah. there will have to be a solution because you can't. It all breaks down if there if there's no longer just an audience and a, a small set of creators. Yeah, I mean, part of the fear is you know, and you know, folks much smarter than me have written a lot more and you know thought a lot more about this. But that you know, if uh, uh, you know, I mean, if you accustom people entirely to not paying for creative content, then um, 
then you're going to starve your creators. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, that, that, that folks will no longer, you know, be able to uh, tell stories because there's no, they, they can't make a living, you know? Um, well, things don't fall uh, out of copyright anymore, right? I mean, that's one of the, that's one of the great, great shames is that, is that, you know, Disney was able to take, uh, and Shakespeare were able to take these old things off the shelf <laughs> and dust them off. And now there's like a wall has been dropped in 1917 or so. And anything created after that is basically never coming out of copyright. Well, well I think uh, you know stuff eventually will, but but it, but maybe, uh, maybe. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> depending on how, whether things get extended. But but anyway, so I mean, Vision Machine was a great way to kind of uh, uh, open up you know some dialogue about all of these things. You know what I mean? To to kind of posit these issues and 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 uh, and and run with them a bit. And uh, you know, I, I, I think mean, we should not give people the impression that this is a really kind of dry thing. This is this, yeah, is, this is an adventure <laughs> story about like interesting technology and a, a lot of characters who. Are are creating these things and and they're um and there's a, there is a struggle for power, right? Because you've got this system that sort of starts out as this dream system, but then there inevitably there is sort of a power struggle. There are there's the company that controls the technology. There's the government that right. wants access, and that's another uh, another issue in here. Is the, the 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 drama happens partially because the government is afraid of of this flow of information, but also wants to sort of seize it and use it for its own purposes. And then that's when you start talking about all these kind of privacy and security issues. Which is funny because the world you you depict, and and this is so perfect because we're already seeing this today, is from the perspective of somebody today, it's kind of horrifying in one way because the, the they share, I mean, innermost thoughts just appear in the eye eye, and you can mm-hmm. see them, and other people see them too. And there's a funny scene where um, one of your characters, Buddy, um, has his secret fantasies about uh, another one of the characters, kind of just <laughs> accidentally revealed, and. and and so, so you might look at that and say, this is a world without privacy, and yet that's not really the case because there's a massive invasion of privacy going on by the government. So it, it's, it's like, you know, we may change how we define privacy, but there still is a concept of privacy and there's a concept of a, a public space and a personal space. Yeah, I mean, these are, you know, every, literally every single day there's a, there's, a, there's a story out there about this somewhere. I mean, um, it, I mean it's, it's interesting because people violate their own privacy all the time because they forget to they, – they don't check the defaults. <laughs> right, you know right. Which, is, they, which is what happens, I think, to one of your characters. It's the, you, yeah, oh, dude, yeah, you didn't yeah, check yeah. the box. So. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's all very timely stuff. But, but like you said, it's all in the context of this sci-fi thriller. So, uh, right. uh, so hopefully folks will get a you – know, I mean, folks have definitely gotten. I mean, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, people have responded very, uh, in very positive ways to it. And um, yeah, I, I, I can't, uh, I can't reveal everything, but we've got. Um, I'm, I'm fairly close to putting pen to paper on a contract for a uh, for for a vision machine related. Uh, another vision machine related thing, uh, which hopefully we'll see the light of the day uh, next year. That's cool. Uh, yeah. So hopefully the story will we will we'll be able to 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 play with this in another context. That's great. Um, so uh, let's see. I, I made a, I made a huge list of, of things I wanted to talk to you about. <laughs> I mean, there, there's so much there. There is so much packed in here. Um, and as with any good comic, um, it bears it bears rereading. In, in this last reread that I did, I finally. Um, maybe I just was totally clueless here, but I finally picked up on the fact that um, New York City is flooded 
Yeah. <laughs> it, because because I, I didn't notice it really referred to in any dialogue, but there's the opening scene. Right. Th- there's water everywhere in Times Square. And then later they're in a, tra- a set of trailers that are on kind of like pontoons in downtown, in midtown Manhattan. Yeah. yeah so yeah, there's yeah. some funny stuff going yeah. on. I mean, it, it, it was great to see because it's like you've got a list of all the things that would happen, which I guess was sort of <laughs> what you were supposed to do in the future. And you just kind of got them all in there somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I I I have a lot of fun uh, doing that kind of uh, you know. I mean, I guess folks talk about world building in fiction, and it's just a ton of fun. I I uh, I'm probably best known in the comics world for a storyline I did called Planet Hulk, where the Hulk got sent to an alien planet and uh, went from slave to gladiator to conquering emperor. And um, but but you know, I got to create the entire world and the ecology and the the, the religion and the philo- the uh, the zoology and the sociology and the history of this whole alien planet. And um, that kind of stuff is just insanely fun to do. And it was the same kind of thing. Like imagine the year fifty years from now. I mean, imagining our our world fifty years from now and kind of thinking about you know what you know, how things are physically going to change. How, I mean, some things we, you know, we made a conscious choice not to change clothes too much just because I don't think, I mean, you know, like in, in any given moment, you're you know, there are some, some there's some like tu- futury kind of tunic things that are almost like <laughs> code for this is the future. Yeah. And then yeah. what an actual, I always keep thinking when I, when I watch something like Star Trek, I think, you know, this is nice, but the reality is that the people in the future, even if they've got the cool spaceships and all of that, they're going to have like crazy, crazy haircuts and weird body piercings and say things in strange slang and people of today of today's uh, world will be horrified right but it'll be perfectly normal then but you kind of can't that's a long way to go and sci-fi novels that try to do that are really hard to get into because you're like wow this is too much i can't take it in so instead there's some shortcuts where it's like it's futury Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's also I was thinking about the fact that like you could take a kid off the street from 1950 and have him walk down, you know, Midtown Manhattan, and he's not going to, or the Village maybe, he's not going to be too out of place. You know what I mean? Some kid with short hair and jeans and a, you know, leather and, and, jacket. Uh, yeah, exactly. Or a or James Dean jacket. You yeah. know, James Dean walking down the street. People are going to be. That's there. There's certain kinds of things that have not really changed that much, particularly when you look at men's fashions. You know, like suits. Um, you know, I. Whether or not people wear hats seems to be a big divider, but but so uh, so yeah, we didn't want to you know I, I I mean we didn't want to go Jetsons route and uh, give everybody you know like random round floating wingdings around them and stuff, but uh, uh, keeping it um, fairly uh, keeping keeping some elements pretty, pretty you know fairly recognizable also was a way to help highlight the fantastical stuff that happens when the uh, when we see the eye eyes kicking in. One of the um, one of the touches that I really like is is uh, the 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 book starts with the old timey, um, yeah, heroes. The uh, the visionary is that right? Yes, yeah, the visionary. Yes. And then and then there's a which it turns out to be this device used by the Sprout people. But mm-hmm. um, but it, it's a great callback when a little bit later everybody uh, they they mobilize in this great actually privacy dropping moment, which which is great because it shows exactly what what happens which is uh for security you give up some privacy in this case Mm -hmm. everybody turns on their turns off their privacy and they find uh this lost this kidnapped girl um but there's a great moment where everybody becomes a superhero in the eyes of everybody else in that moment that that is just uh you know it was a really it's just a really a really great moment i liked it a lot 
Thanks a lot, man. So, yeah. so just, just some praise. Now it's turning into like the Chris Farley show. Hey, remember that scene <laughs> and in I like Hulk it. <laughs> where they were in the prison? Um, uh, Planet Hulk, by the way, I'm going to, I'm going to, you, you dropped the name there. I'm going to say if you're, if you're, you're somebody who's listening who hasn't really um, done a lot of comic reading, that's a great standalone story that I'm not a huge Hulk fan. Traditionally, I actually know somebody who's maybe the biggest Incredible Hulk fan of all time, but I, I haven't been, and I read about Planet Hulk, and I picked it up, and what, what's great about it is sometimes it's hard to find a, a, a place to, to jump on to a comic because there's so much backstory. And the nice thing about Planet Hulk is that it is really self-contained, and yeah, it, I think you benefit if you know something about the Hulk's backstory, but you did create this other world, and there's something sort of brilliant about saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go somewhere else with this guy. Let him live his life there. There's not going to be continuity with other people dropping in in the middle and having to sync it up with other books. It's just going to – I'm going to tell a story uh, that happens to be about a guy who's an established hero, but it's really uh, a, a, a standalone story for the most part, and it was great. I've got the heart cover actually oh, I, I liked awesome. it so much so there there there's your uh, there's your fan fawning well, moment thank you thank you very uh, much but but some it. people should pick it up it's actually it's it's really great and and it makes many references to the my favorite comic book of all time the micronauts which i know that you read as a child too yes indeed yeah yeah, yeah. the great bill mantlo Ma- bill mantlo my... so i wanted to mention bill mantlo because something else that you posted and uh tweeted recently that uh-huh. i thought we'd at least uh make a mention of and maybe uh maybe the listeners to the macro podcast can help too bill Mantlo, great comics writer from the the seventies and the eighties, um, and he's been in uh, in uh, pretty serious hospital care for a while because he had a head injury on a bike in New York, where he was working after he left comics really as a as a lawyer, mm-hmm. and he uh, his family has to take care of him, and it, it's it's a really sad story because you know people people a lot of people don't remember his his work, and and sadly a lot of it is. Uh, was licensed stuff that is gone, uh, you know, it can't be reprinted. Like Micronauts is great, but it's basically in limbo right now um, because uh, the rights, you know, Marvel made the comics, but the they were toy, it was a toy tie-in. So, you know, it's it's sad that more of his stuff isn't isn't more widely known. Yeah, I mean, he's he uh, he also created Cloak and Dagger and uh, worked on Rom for many years. Ah, yes. And, uh, um, that was yeah, my one-two punch: the Rom and the Micronauts. There you go. Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, the uh, I was a huge fan of those Micronauts toys and absolutely loved those comics. They were the first twelve issues were illustrated by the great Michael, Michael Golden. Golden. Yeah, and I remember. I remember seriously. Uh, explaining to one of my uh, grade school teachers about uh, you know how Michael Golden ranked with Michelangelo. Uh, <laughs> those covers, those Michael Golden covers. I guess he ended up doing and still I think does covers. And his covers, oh, yeah. uh, his inside art was was spectacular. But the covers are just amazing. Oh yeah, 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 totally. And yeah, I mean they're, they're I I think about those covers all the time. Uh, <laughs> I'm serious, you know, like we reference them, you know, well, and, and, and they're in and people don't know, but people who remember the Micronauts, they're in popular culture and all. A lot of surprising ways that you can see, like uh, the character of a Croyer in the Micronauts is basically was lifted for Teal'c in Stargate. They're basically the same guy. Oh, one I of didn't the, realize that. One of the one of the. I mean, I it can't. I mean, I suppose it could be a coincidence, but there's no way it's a coincidence. And uh, <laughs> the the bad guys in Marathon, the game by Bungie that was popular on the Mac in the '90s, are Bug. Basically, they're guys in green <laughs> outfits with little stock 
things. Uh, so you can they're, – they're out there. I mean people who were, who were kids when we were kids and read that book, which it's easy to just kind of say it was a silly uh, toy tie-in but it, and it was kind of a Star Wars knockoff. But the great thing about what Mantlo and Golden did is they made it something totally different. And yeah. it, it's so, – so that's why the, the story about Bill Mantlo – is so affecting to me is because he really did have a huge impact on my childhood. I mean, people talk about Star Wars having an impact on them, and when they saw it, it changed their lives. For me, like picking up Micronauts 4 out of the spinner rack at the Save Mart in Sonora, California, changed my life. By the way, the kid, the kid me would have loved to have met the kid you because <laughs> the, kid, the kid me had Micronauts one, two, and three, but could not find oh, Micronauts 4 I couldn't for get a two. long, long time. I couldn't find number two. <laughs> <laughs> so we would have we would have been able to uh, complete our collection and yeah. really know. Everything. I still have I have a Biotron on my on my oh, uh, yeah on my I got bookshelf. A I bought it on eBay. I lost my <laughs> my actual Biotron, so I bought one on eBay. Well, we're geeking out here, but but the, exactly. the, but the point about Bill Mantlo is that is that his family uh, actually is uh, trying to take care of him, and so people who have been touched by his work, I, I think there's a a real movement to try to get people to uh, to donate to his the fund to take care of him and his medical bills because he's, yeah. he's not um, you know he's he, he it's a brain injury and it's a, it's he's not going to get better from it but he's he's still you know he'll, and there's a very effective uh, or a very affecting story that was published that gave some details about it that I'll link to in the the show notes for this podcast but yeah. it, you know it, it's it's a uh, I, I think anybody who is who is uh, reading comics and loves loves comics and that kind of stuff should uh, should read that stuff and then and then contact uh, there's a there's a a PayPal donation you can do to the yeah. If you, if you go to gregpock dot com as well, um, I'll make sure there's a there. I mean, with, there was a, I had posted a thing about this a while back, and yes, there's a PayPal. There's a very easy way to donate um, to uh, Bill's brother uh, Mike Mantlo, uh, yeah. who and he sends very nice thank you notes too. I actually got an email back from him when I when I donated, and yeah, yeah, it's very, he's a, very nice. Yeah, he's a good guy, yeah. and um, it's it's yeah, it's just it's just terrible what's happened to Mantlo and his you know his insurance has run out uh, ran out a long time ago, and so uh, any you know anything folks feel like donating is is incredibly w- well appreciated by the family. Right now, before we go, I, I want to ask one last question about the uh, about the about Sprout. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, so it is this it is this Macworld Expo Steve Jobs product introduction moment, which is really which is really funny. And having been to many many of those, um, I, I thought that was I thought that was hilarious. What what uh, that character doesn't end up that character sort of ends up on the outs from from her, yes. her company, which I thought was a really interesting turn because up to that point I just assumed she was a a Steve Jobs analog. What, so what was the what, what what was the thought behind sort of having her end up kind of ejected <laughs> from this thing that she built? Right. Well, I, I guess that happened to Steve Jobs too. Well, yeah. Point, but but she, um, she, that's no. true. That's true. But not at the height. Like she was yeah. like totally like Steve yeah. Jobs introducing the iPhone kind of. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I um, uh, you know, the uh, the characters, you know, within the context of the story, the characters sort of need to go where they're going to go. And I, I mean, I, I I thought she was a good character to have. Um, kind of have uh, uh, to to learn and change during the course of the story, partly because I think, um, you know, it's a little too easy to paint, oh, evil technology people, evil government people, you know, they're all just trying to, you know, 
steal everything they can right. from us. And I mean, the I.I. is operation. a legitimately cool piece of technology, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. And I think a huge number of people go into these, you know, you know, most people in tech, I think, are doing it because they just think this stuff is so awesome. You know what I mean? And it, and it is. And it really right. is transformative and it really does improve lives. And, you know, I, you know, I use all these devices all the time and it makes it possible for me to do what I do. And, and you know, so I didn't want to just vilify people, but, um, but I is, and, and, uh, and so having her, have this, you know, kind of revelatory moment during the course of the story was a kind of a fun way to acknowledge, you know, that, uh, that, uh, that the, the, uh, creators of the tech are creators. You know what I mean? That there is, that there, right. that they share, they share that kind of passion, um, and, uh, and, and, and you, and are not necessarily so, um, easily pegged in one um you know on one side or the other uh and well it's uh, a it's a nice moment when you when you your brain has filed them away as an analog of somebody and then you realize oh they're not (laughs) they're 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 on their own they're doing something unexpected now that's it's a nice moment yep so uh but yeah so it's been a lot of fun so i and i really appreciate it it's kind of funny because this you know talking to you know, talk, talking to you in this venue was one of my, you know, big hopes for uh, <laughs> for this project. You know, that I'd be able to do this for this project. Well, I, I'm sorry it took so long, and I know I know uh, Andy Yanako got got you in touch with me, I, I, and then I just sort of lost track of it. But uh, but it's a really it's really cool, and people can get it. Uh, it it's available kind of anywhere, <laughs> really, yeah. which is oh, yeah. the beauty of it. And yeah, I read it in Comicsology because they're free downloads inside the Comicsology app, but you can just get the PDF too. Yep. Uh, there are also, uh, I mean, we also printed out physical copies, um, which are, you know, if you, if you, uh, follow, you know, I, on, on Twitter, I'll, I'll, I'll say where I'm, where, where stuff is going next. We, uh, uh, we've given them out to different conferences and film festivals and, and, uh, tech or, you know, meetings and stuff for folks to, to give out. So, uh, and, and a matter of fact, if you, if you are running a film festival or a tech event or some, some event that you think, uh, this, this book has relevance to, uh, ping me on Twitter. I'm just Greg Pocket Twitter and, and let me know. And, uh, I might be able to send you a box to give away. All right. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast and it was great to meet you. Like I said, I read I read Planet Hulk and said this guy and I share something secret. I know, I know. We're gonna have, to, we're gonna have to bust out our long boxes at some point. <laughs> yeah. So thanks again to Greg Pock. You can get Vision Machine at visionmachine.net. You can download it for free in the Comixology app on your iPhone or iPad, and you can read all about Greg and what Greg is doing at pockbuzz.com. P-A-K-B-U-Z-Z. Until next time, happy holidays to everybody from everyone here at Macworld. I'm Jason Snell. We'll see you next week.